Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Adam Ashton is the co-host of What You Will Learn podcast. Every week, Adam and his co-host, Adam Jones, read a great book and summarize their main takeaways or conduct interviews of authors they admire. In this episode, Adam talks about his love of reading, why he loves podcasting, and how he applies what he learns to his everyday life. You may be surprised to know that Adam did not always read a lot. Tune in to find out how he turned it into a habit which he could sustain, and how you can too. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here, Adam. I know it's very early in the morning for you over in Australia. It's afternoon for me in Chicago. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, there's nothing uh, better I could think to wake up on a, on a Saturday morning for something like this for me. And that just goes to show you that we are fellow nerds to be excited yeah. <laughs> about podcasting on a Friday afternoon and a Saturday morning. <laughs> so I thank you. I love your podcast. What I really love about it is you take us through such a journey in your um, seasons through books that maybe are popular, some somewhat, but also things that we may not have on our radar. And I really like the way you distill summaries for the books and you entice us to want to know more. It's definitely got me in the mode of really needing to read more. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, uh, I've been revisiting some of our older episodes recently, and uh, they were they were interesting. That's for sure. I'd say we've definitely developed and improved along the way, but uh, <laughs> but I, I'm glad that uh, we've, we've got to a point where we can give you a nice summary, give you a nice teaser, give you a lot of the information yourself, and then maybe uh, encourage you to go out and read it a little bit more for yourself. Oh yeah, definitely. So, can you please tell us about yourself, a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I'm from Melbourne in Australia. Uh, I was born in Mildura, actually, which is like a, a country town about uh, eight hours out of Melbourne. So I've, I've had a taste of the, the country life. My grandparents were on a farm. I've had a taste of the, the city life living in Melbourne. I lived in Papua New Guinea for three years as a kid as well. So that was a completely different experience. Uh, and then I sort of made my, my journey through not really knowing what direction I wanted to take after school and tried out a bunch of different things and some worked, some didn't, some I liked a lot that I didn't. And so I think I'm still on that journey to finding what I want to do next. Mm -hmm. But I guess the main constant over the last four or five years has been uh, books and, and podcasting, both reading books, uh, listening to podcasts, and then making my own podcast to talk about books as well. Definitely a curious person. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, definitely curious. I, I think that was a that's a word that we've uh, only recently come to embrace, I guess, and it seems to be popping up more and more now that now that we have embraced it. That we are, I guess, just uh, insatiably curious to to learn more and find out more things. And it, it just seems like the more you know, um, the more you realize that there's still more to learn. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's part of the beautiful journey of being a lifelong learner. Yeah, most certainly. There's uh, uh, there's 
uh, like whilst it's good, obviously the the more you learn that you you feel more confident, you feel more comfortable, and you feel like you've got more of a grasp on the world. I guess that it just opens more and more doors for for more things to learn next. How did you come up with the idea for the podcast? So we started the podcast, What You Will Learn, in 2016, and it was myself and my co-host, also called Adam, Adam Jones. Uh, we both finished our uni degrees at the same time, and we both started jobs in the city at the same time, like our first big uh, real-world jobs at a big corporate office in the city, getting the training uh, every day. And we decided to meet up once a week. I think it was, a, it was actually probably just an excuse to get together with a few of the, the girls from our different offices and have <laughs> coffees and stuff. But it, uh, was it the girls started to drop off, but we stuck around. So we decided we'd start talking about what was going on at work, you know, that some of the things that we were learning, some of the things that we were, I guess, realizing for the first time about how the real world operates. And we'd also talk about what kind of books we were reading, what kind of lessons we were learning. So we'd just be sharing what we'd read that week. And then we thought, okay, well, we're doing these weekly Friday morning coffees before work. Maybe let's start reading the same book at the same time so we can sort of sync up and we can then at least build upon each other's ideas. So rather than just talking about two random books, I guess from there, we'd, we wanted to do something. We were both interested in do, always doing something more, always trying something different. We had each had our own respective business attempts. Uh, and this was just the next thing that we wanted to try to do. So we thought, well... We're already reading books. We're already meeting up and talking about it. We both love listening to podcasts. Let's try and make our own. What are some of your favorite podcasts? I've gone through a, a lot of waves, I guess. I, in the early days, it was a lot of the interview shows like uh, the Tim Ferriss, uh, James Altucher, Jordan Harbinger, Joe Rogan, all those guys. Where I'd listen to like every interview they did, every single episode religiously as soon as it came out. Um, I've shifted a lot now, whereas I'm probably very picky and choosy about those types of shows and maybe listen to one out of six or one out of eight of their interviews, depending on who the guest is. Uh, there's three podcasts that I've listened to every single episode of, uh, and that's Akimbo uh, by Seth Godin, mm -hmm. a Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell, mm -hmm. and The Way I Heard It by Mike Rowe. Uh, so they're the, the only three that I've listened to every episode of. And I'm really liking Adam Grant's work life. It's kind of a few years old and I, I haven't listened to them all yet. Um, so I'm, that, that'll soon join, join a list of the ones that I've listened to every episode of. So who influenced you, do you think, of those people for your podcast? I think for, it was, I'll have to credit uh, Tim Ferriss. So whilst I don't listen uh, as religiously um, and, and barely at all anymore, I guess, but it was, that was who I was listening to very religiously at the time. And we actually went to a, um, a Tony Robbins event as well. And that's sort of what really got us like fired up. And we're like, okay, we've got to do something. And it was probably like a, the week after the Tony Robbins conference that we thought, okay, let's record our first episode. So you and I met peripherally when we both did the podcast fellowship, uh, the, the original one with Seth yeah. Godin. And so you had already been podcasting. So what drew you to start? Because I had no idea what I was doing or, or if, I, if I were really going to do this. Okay. So I'd, yeah, so I'd been going for two years at that point. Uh, and for me, I think it was, I guess, as part of that uh, curiosity, lifelong learning, a bit of the humility, realizing that whilst I'd had a podcast for two years, that didn't mean that I knew everything about podcasting, that's for sure. 
And so I was looking for, I guess, different to a, um, perhaps yourself, as you said, you weren't, you didn't know what you were doing. So you're probably looking for some of the introductory stuff and how to get started. For me, it was more like, okay, I've already got started, but how can I do this a bit better? How can I do this a bit more professionally? How can I sort of step my game up a little bit? So that's sort of, and obviously I was a very big Seth Godin fanboy. So whenever something Seth Godin popped up, especially in the podcasting realm, I, I jumped straight on it. How do you pick the books? Uh, it's an interesting, again, the process, I guess, has evolved over time. Uh, when we first started, I'd probably read uh, 20 or 30 books. So there was a, a whole heap in front of us that I still wanted to read. And now both of our lists to read, I guess, were very, very similar. So we just sort of picked and cho- chose as we went along. Now it's sort of evolved to the point where we've, whilst we're probably, there's still probably 60 or 70% crossover in our interests, we've sort of diverged a little bit. And so now we sort of pick. Uh, we alternate a book each week, picking the different things that, that most interest us with a, a few ground rules, I guess. But for me, like I've got uh, two bookshelves. One bookshelf is full of the books I've read. Um, and then one bookshelf is full of all the books that I've I've bought physically. They're sitting on the shelf, but I haven't read them yet. That one's actually, it's more than one shelf. It's overflowing uh, because it seems like every book you read, they reference two or three other books. So I yes. just go out and buy those. And then mm-hmm. podcast guests, they talk about, you should read this book. So I go mm-hmm. out and get those. So it's, it seems to be a never ending list of books still to read. Hmm. So you still read old fashioned physical books then? Yeah, I have to. I, I can't. I don't. I just like don't have the same uh, connection, I guess, as to a, a digital uh, book. I have it physically in front of me, like I hold it with a pencil, taking some notes, drawing some little scribbles on it as I go. Uh, I guess I like seeing the physical progress as well of how far through uh, through a book I am. And yeah, it's very. Uh, I like to do it old school for sure. So would you describe that process as being related to the type of learner you are, maybe more kinesthetic or visual? Yeah, I think definitely visual for sure, uh, that I I do like to have those visual elements of it and be able to make my own marks on the book. I used to like keep the books like uh, in perfect condition, no markings whatsoever, no folds on the pages. I used to have like just like sticky notes that would stick on the side if I want to write a note. But now I guess I'm making the, the books my own in a sense in, in terms of uh, manipulating them as I go. It's interesting you say that too because I have definitely played with the idea of the different media to read. And recently I started doing Audible. I am not an auditory learner. So I'm really finding myself feeling very uncomfortable during the process mm-hmm. of not being able to see and not being able to grab a pen and write something down or fold the corner of a page. There's really something to be said for that in-your-hands experience of reading. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that I, I listen to so many podcasts and happily listen to podcasts and happily learn things as I'm listening, but I haven't been able to listen to an audiobook in its own right with the same level of engagement or understanding. I don't know I don't know why. I do have a Audible subscription. I listen to one or two audiobooks every month. But those audiobooks, I'm actually like I'm listening to them on like three point five X speed and listening to it as I'm reading it and taking notes. Oh so it's, yeah. So I'm like That's I'm doing both at the same time. It sounds like it's important to you <laughs> to read consistently. What influenced you to be that way? 
I hadn't really read at all. I suppose when I was a kid, I, I used to like to read books. But then when I got to high school, I really only read the books that I had to read. And I guess it felt like a bit of a chore and, I don't know, reading Shakespeare and uh, or, I don't know, books that I wasn't really that interested in. Uh, I was about to say Charles Darwin, but I meant Charles Dickens, all that, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then after school for years, I didn't read anything, at least four or five years after high school. I probably read one book in five years. But it was when I uh, got an internship in my penultimate year of, of uni where I was, I was heading in, into a, like a, an eight-week uh, work experience in the city in the suit for the first time. I thought, okay, well, I guess now it's probably time to start getting serious for probably six months prior to that, I've been listening to, to podcasts and they were always recommending books and the importance of reading and the importance of learning more things. So I pulled the trigger and like bought like 30 uh, books and thought I'm just going to, I'm going to read all these and uh, get better. And so I think it was just like from that, that first book that I read uh, was how to win friends and influence people. And just from that book, like I picked up so many, lessons so many cool ideas so many different ways of doing things that i'd sort of whilst it is rather pretty common sense stuff it's a things that you don't really do or you don't really think about and so just a few shifts and i was able to use some of those on the people i was meeting for the first time in this internship and i was like man books are pretty cool so i guess from there i just uh yes that gradually stepped it up and up to the point now where i think i probably did 65 books last year uh we do a book a week on the podcast, plus a few of my own in between. Wow. How do you form the habit around doing that? That takes discipline. Yeah, I think it was, it was a gradual build-up over time. Uh, as I said, I was, I was listening to back to some of our old episodes for projects we're working on. And at, at the start, like there was really no structure to it. And like we'd read a few of the short books, like The One Minute Manager, which is like 80 pages or something. Mm. Um, and some of those books were easy to get through in a week. But then we, we'd get to like a 200-250-page book, which at that time was massive for us. And so there was like a, a stretch of two or three weeks where we hadn't finished the book. So we did like a few documentaries in between and, and stuff like that where we were experimenting with. So at the start, we weren't at the one book per week levels. Okay. And now, yeah, I think now it's just, it's all about finding the little pockets of time. If you say you have to lie and sit down and read for one hour every night after dinner, uh, that's like a a big imposition you're adding a big slice a big chunk of time to your day as opposed to looking for little pockets here or there it might be uh six minutes at the cafe it might be 20 minutes on the train and then on your lunch break you read for another 15 minutes and over time you've built up to a a solid amount of reading without really putting a big imposition on yourself there's this theme of making a task smaller Like, for instance, I watched this documentary on Netflix about Bill Gates. And Bill Gates has this habit of going to this cabin by himself or something. And he he reads this mammoth stack of books and he is able to absorb everything he reads. You know, and I'm looking at that and thinking to myself, well, how am I going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) That does not look doable to me. So if I want to step up my game, what do I do? And it just seems like you're not the first person who said, look, it, I didn't decide on day one to read 100 books in a week. It was kind of deciding how to fold that into my lifestyle and make time for it that 
felt manageable. So it didn't seem like I was just doing work. Does that mm. make sense? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I think breaking it down into a small, uh, a small action that's a step in the right direction is much better than thinking, okay, well, here's my end goal. I'm not there yet. So that's a, that's a failure. So there's a, a book we did by Scott Adams, the guy who created the Dilbert cartoons. Uh, it's a long title. It's called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. And so the big, the big idea from that book, uh, and it was also echoed in Atomic Habits, and a, a lot of people have shared this similar idea of like goals versus systems. So a goal is something where at some point in the future, uh, you want to attain this level of goal, uh, whether that's you know reading um, reading a book a week or whether that's starting a business or whether that's losing um, 10 kilos or, or 25 pounds or something. And the goal at some distant point in the future, every day from when you set that goal until you reach it, you're a failure. Like every day you're failing, you haven't reached your goal yet, so you failed. Uh, and then when you get to that goal, I guess you've got two options. You celebrate for a small amount of time, but then it's like, well, what next? The thing that was driving you forward is gone. Do you set another goal that's harder and then you have to work your failure again and you're working even harder to get to the next goal uh, instead of that the opposite way of doing it is a system and so the system is something small you do every single day where you can win every day rather than failing every day every day you do your system you win so whether that's breaking it down to reading one page a day uh, if you read one page every day then you win if it's you know uh, going for a, a walk around the block at lunchtime rather than losing 25 goal, uh, losing 25 pounds so like those small systems in a very, very small actionable thing that gets you one step closer in the right direction is probably a better way to approach it. Do you challenge yourself with books with which you have little interest or might not feel like would be for you or you might not agree with the subject matter? In other words, do you purposely try to make yourself uncomfortable? I think because... Part of what I've been learning, too, about the process of being a lifelong learner, not just the curiosity aspect and the breaking things down to be successful into smaller chunks, but also getting comfortable with the idea that you're going to be uncomfortable when you're challenged by something. Yeah, uh, not for a long time. A long time, the answer would have been no. Uh, only probably until recently, the last six months, I can probably get closer to saying yes. Uh, part of that is to do with uh, the process, I guess, of picking the books now. Whereas I said before, we were sort of, we sort of fight it out a little bit and we'd meet somewhere in the middle where we we're both happy. So we're both pretty comfortable and both safe and both doing close to what we wanted to do. Whereas now that we're sort of diverging somewhat and we're both alternating books and like for each half of the year, we pick 10 books each. Uh, it means that I'm sort of picking more things that are a little bit more extreme on my end. He's picking things that are a little bit more extreme on, on his end. So mm-hmm. things that I wouldn't normally read, like we've done some, uh, like the Stephen Hawking book, a big science book about space and, and uh, crazy maths stuff that I, I probably wouldn't have read by myself and it was a struggle to grasp. Uh, a lot of things about history, uh, whether that was like uh, the lessons of history or guns, germs, steel. So some of these things that I never really had that much interest in, but I was I was forced in that sense to read them for the podcast mm-hmm. uh, was a good thing. 
And then for me personally, only like literally in the last month or so, I've been thinking about, uh, I grabbed a couple of fiction books, a couple of philosophy books, uh, some things like some creative thinking books and always uh, trying to look for something different than what I'm reading at the moment. I think for the, probably the first 200 books, my answer would be no, but more recently I can say, yeah, I'm starting to look for more different, challenging, left of center ideas. What books or maybe a book that you could think of offhand um, may have surprised you once you got past your initial skepticism? Yeah, a few that I really liked that I didn't think I would like were some of like the ancient philosophy books. So like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, I really liked. Uh Um, The Tao Te Ching as well, I really liked. So some of those books that I just thought, if I had read them too early, I would have just not got it. I would have switched off. I would have thought this is just bizarre or this is a bit bit wanky or this is just like for the uh, artsy philosophy students who think they're really cool uh, philosophizing about the world. Uh, but I think I read them at the right time where I had sort of enough of a grounding and I was able to, I, I don't know, I just, I feel like they were very different books. So you could read every single year and read, and they'd be a completely different book because I think each time you read them, you're going to take a different lesson out of them. How do you make a book less about just being esoteric? Oh, I read that thing and I can go on with my day now or my week now into, I read this book and here's a thing that I learned from it. And here's what I've done with it to use it to enhance my life. Yeah, definitely. There's a there's a lot of books that have got a lot of great ideas, but maybe it's harder to put into practice or maybe you do it for a week uh, and it's awesome and then you start to, to drop off again. Uh, I think some of the better ones that I've really stuck with, I feel like Seth Godin packages his books very well. It's generally one core idea, something pretty simple. They're short books and not uh, extra fluff than what they need to be. And one of my absolute favorites is the dip. The idea that anything you start, anything, any new project you take on, whether that's starting a podcast or writing a book or starting a new job or trying out a new exercise regime, whatever you do, there's going to be some early wins. So straight away, going from zero to like starting, you're going to have some early wins and it's going to be amazing. But then very soon after that, there's a long stretch in the middle, which he calls the dip, which is where you're putting in extra effort, but you're not seeing the extra rewards at the end. A lot of people quit in the middle. And because most people are quitting, most people's podcasts die at episode seven or episode 15 or episode 30, and those podcasts are gone, there's only a very few left on the other side. And because of the value of that scarcity, it makes you extra valuable. If you've got a podcast that's been around for 300 episodes, uh, that's pretty amazing. And so the rewards that come with that scarcity seem to exponentially increase right at the very end. So is that how you're able to keep up your morale? Because there's something crazy, a crazy number, like over 700,000 podcasts that are Mm. out there right now. You know, they're becoming more popular. So it's easy, I think, at least I felt this way, to feel like a really, really, really tiny, insignificant voice. And it can be confusing, right, for people to decide what to pick or if they have time to listen to you, their time is scarce. Yeah, I think a big part of the dip is the first thing is just to recognize that it's there. 
So if you know that the dip's there and then you know that it's going to be a long grind, it means you've got to pick the right thing at the start. It means not picking something and it feels great. And then once it starts to hit the dip, then you quit and try something else, which feels great at the start. So you've got to pick the right thing that you're willing to stick out. So I think that's a, the first element of it for us was realizing the dip's there and, and committing to seeing it through to the other side is a big part. Uh, and then sort of more broadly with with podcasting, I feel like, uh, or whatever project it is, you've got to look for the little wins along the way that give you that fuel. I think it can often be hard where you put out an episode and nothing happens and the the downloads are the same as they were last week and you don't hear anything from anybody. But I think just little wins along the way, whether it's you get an awesome guest that you were looking forward to or you hit a new milestone and you hit your first um, 100 downloads or your first 1,000 downloads or uh, whatever it is that, is a milestone for you or maybe you get uh, the, your first review uh, from a fan or maybe someone emails you who said hey I've listened to the show it was really good at like all of these small little wins along the way uh, I guess I just treat as like fuel to keep us going for the next month or two of podcasting until we have the next little boost and that's a really important concept especially for somebody who's a perfectionist or a type a personality guilty as charged we tend to forget to celebrate the successes and people keep telling me that hello celebrate the fact (laughs) stop for a minute and actually enjoy something about your journey it's it shouldn't just be about the work the work the work the work and remember to celebrate the successes is what you're saying even though they may seem tiny they may seem insignificant it's still something to celebrate yeah, definitely. And you can even, I guess, manufacture your own just by keeping going, whether it's 50 episodes or whether it's your your first uh, year of podcasting. Like there's all these things that don't rely on other people. It doesn't rely on somebody downloading it or somebody sharing it or somebody writing into you. Like these are all things that you can control mm. just by doing the work yourself. Is there anything else we may have left out during our discussion that you wanted to bring up? I've really enjoyed talking to you. and You've been a phenomenal interviewer, so there's some things I've been picking up from you that I'd like to learn for myself and use in my next interview that I do. The only other thing I would say is we about two years ago, we made our first top 50 list where we ranked our favorite 50 books of all time. 12 months after that, we updated it. We haven't updated it for 2020 yet because we're working on the next project, which is the top 100 books. Um, so we've, we've read so many books that we couldn't possibly get down to 50. And we even struggled to get them down to 100 as well. And you've just weaved in so elegantly what you just taught me in terms of celebrating the successes and evolving and celebrating those wins by just how you said that you started off with 50 and then you made it a hundred and now it's even hard to get it back down to that hundred. And so I thank you for that. I think just a message that I'll sort of say to you, but, but what I'm really saying is saying to myself uh, is just, just keep going, keep doing it. It's amazing. You're my second Australian friend <laughs> through podcasting. I could not have so said that two years ago. It's mm. crazy. It's yeah, crazy. We're a long way away. It wouldn't. It would have never happened. <laughs> it just would have happened. And yeah. mm. I get to meet such a diverse, incredible number of people who have been teaching me so much and enriching my life through this podcasting world. 
So my final question, what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? Thank you for the prompt because honestly, before uh, before discussing this this interview with you, I really didn't have one. I really didn't have uh, any overarching philosophy or principle in in this area, which I think is a vitally important thing to have. A few of the things I thought about, which while well, I'm still formulating this philosophy, I don't have a, a, a a tight answer for you yet. But some of the things I was just thinking about was, well, from the the health aspect, I don't want to be too rigid in my thoughts or beliefs. I don't want to become too attached to any one way of thinking. So I think being open to new things, being open to new ideas, new people, new ways of operating in the world is vitally important. So I think that ties back to the elements of learning and and curiosity, I think are vital to to health. Uh, And then the other thing I was thinking about is uh, taking some time to do the small things that make you happy as well. So for me, it's reading. For me, I, I really like swimming as well. Um, and also uh, lying down and cuddling with my dog as well is, is always a nice, a nice little thing to do as well, just for a little bit of extra health and happiness, I think. Oh, yeah. Our furry babies do keep us yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the Mindful Minute. When you are immersed in a good book, time flies. It's easy to forget to take a break. Sometimes our posture suffers. So let's do an experiment. Sit in mountain pose. Take a deep breath in and out of your nose, letting your abdomen expand as you inhale and relax as you exhale. Now, slouch on purpose. Notice how difficult it feels to take that same deep breath. The lesson here? Good posture and good breathing go hand in hand. You will be rewarded with more energy and less pain. Remember, this is all a practice. If you like what you hear, don't forget to go to yogimd.net, listen to the latest episodes of the podcast, Hit any of the links on that page to subscribe so you can hear the older episodes, and please tell a friend. If you'd like to practice yoga with me, contact me at yogimd.net. And finally, have a listen to What You Will Learn podcast, and I will leave you with this quote by Arthur Ashe. Success is a journey, not a destination. The doing is often more important than the outcome. Thanks for being here. See you next time.